right. Good evening. Glad you're here. How many of you are glad you're here tonight? Even though I'm up here, how many of you are still glad you're here? <laughs> I'd be having trouble with that too. Uh, what I'm going to talk about tonight is first I'm going to pray. How about that? Let's pray. I'll turn my mic on. I've got to do that. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to be here tonight. Thank you, Father, for uh, your extreme goodness that you show toward us each day. Thank you, Father, for the love that you demonstrate to us. Thank you for giving us life for this day. Uh, we pray, Father, for uh, Pastor and uh, his family, Lord, as they uh, mourn the loss of his mother, uh, that it might be a time of celebration. And we'll trust you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight we're going to talk about grumbling and complaining. Great topic to talk about. Uh, how many of us in here tonight are guilty of that? Nobody. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's nothing that you and I can do in our life that will erode our walk with God more quickly than grumbling and complaining about the things that take place around us. Uh, it does all kinds of things. It, it hinders our testimony. It dims our witnessing ability to, to spread the gospel to other people. And it's just like a cancer. Uh, it's like so many sins that we commit. Uh, when grumbling's part of our life, it's just like a cancer. It just tends to get worse and worse and worse. And it doesn't stop unless something takes place in your life. Um, it's an attitude that you and I can easily see in other people. Uh, we're, we're all guilty of those things that the things we see most prevalent in other people are usually the things we have the most problems with ourselves. That's why we see it so easily in other people, because we're guilty of those things. Uh, we don't usually recognize it in ourselves, and when we do, we call it something else uh, to make it sound pretty good, but it's really not. Uh, God says that this attitude is the first indication of us turning away from him. We'll see how that's true in the life of the Israelites here in just a little bit. And we've all said things like this. Why me? It's not fair. Uh, how come he gets to do that and I don't? Uh, wish my husband had spent more time with the children. That's done for me now. That's good. i will spend time with the grandchildren. Why can't my wife stick to the budget? Nobody has that problem, do you? All your budgets are balanced, right? Wish I could say that. Or why didn't I get the promotion that I thought I should have had? Are we eating this stuff again? Uh, those are some of the things we do, some of the things we say. If we look for it, we can always find something to complain about, can't we? It doesn't take, we could look right here. I'm sure when you come in the door and you saw me walk up on the stage, some of your hearts were probably complaining already. Uh, that's just the way we are. When we want to complain, we can always find good reasons to complain that we think are good. Uh, and all kinds of stuff, the food, the weather, the people around us, uh, traffic lights. The Lord was good tonight. You know, they put a new traffic light over there in Whiting because they're doing something to a bridge. So now there's like eight traffic lights just to get to South Tom's River. And they were all green tonight. It was amazing. And there was a string of 10 cars in front of me coming to the light there at Dover Road and, and the one where you get down to Bayville. And oh, man, they were going so slow. They all went straight. And right before they did, I said, Lord, please, I'm going to be late. I need to get there. And they all went straight. God answered prayer, and I wasn't even praying. Anyhow, in Philippians 2.14, Paul tells us what? Do all things without murmuring and complaining. How many of you today, if you were to really think about it, when you were at work or wherever you were, did you go through the whole day without murmuring and complaining? Were you, just a thought that you may have had in your mind. Did you make it through the day without murmuring or complaining? God tells us to do all things, all things without murmuring and complaining. And whenever he says that in his word, we need to follow it. Uh, but he mentions this more than one time. 
So we really need to follow those things. Not that it has to be said two or three times, like children, I'll follow it if you tell me 10 times, but once should be enough for each one of us. He didn't tell us it was optional. Not something that we can do if we feel like it or don't do it if we don't feel like it. And the problem with murmuring and complaining is when you and I grumble against the things that take place in our life or, or people in our life or all those things, we're in direct grumbling mode against God, aren't we? How many of us believe that God allows things and orchestrates things in our lives? He does. Jonah tells us that. If you don't believe that God orchestrates things in your lives, then the book of Jonah should be removed from the Bible, shouldn't it? God orchestrated those things. They just didn't happen to Jonah. The fish just didn't happen to be there. God did all those things. And he does those things in our life as well. But we tend to complain about those things. And when we do, what are we saying? We're saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. Why are you doing that? We can't do that. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should what? Walk in them. Uh, and we all know Romans 8.28.29, All things work together for good. I mean, we don't, we don't live like we believe that, do we? We don't go through a day or go through situations where we really, truly believe that, do we? Because we get upset at everything that takes place. Maybe just me. Get upset at those things that go on in my life. Uh, but he says, all those things work together for good to them that love God. Uh, God desires to work in each one of us to bring forth fruit. That doesn't necessarily mean winning souls, though that's part of it. But he wants us to experience the things that he says are the fruits of the Spirit. What's the first fruit of the Spirit? I don't know. What is it? Is it joy? Is it love? Does grumbling and complaining demonstrate joy in my life? If I'm supposed to have that in my life and I'm grumbling and complaining, would someone think that I was joyful? No, of course not. Uh, what about long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control? Each one of those are the opposite of grumbling and complaining. So if we're to be led by the Spirit and to experience and have the fruits of the spirits in our life, but yet we're grumbling and complaining all the time, what evidence is there that God's working in our life when all those things are the opposite of God's goodness? Why did Christ save us? Why are we saved? Yeah, of course, we're not going to go to hell because we're saved, but why did God save us? Did he save us just to save us? Oh, good, there's 10 more saved. No, he wants to do what in us? He wants to reproduce others in other people. He wants us to reproduce fruit from our life in other people's lives so that more and more can become saved. That's why he did that. That's why we're saved. He wants to re reproduce himself and his character in us so that others may come to, be, come to believe in Christ as well. And when we grumble and complain, we cut off or quench the Holy Spirit in our life. And it is of no effect to the things that we do. So, what are the consequences of murmuring? We all know what happened to the Israelites. And we look at the Israelites and think, man, they're crazy. Look what God did and what all happened. But we're no different, are we? Uh, the things that happen to us that are so good, as soon as something goes wrong the next day, what happens? We're back to grumbling and complaining again. It doesn't take long for you and I to get in that, time, in that uh, mode of grumbling and complaining. <clears throat> We look at the Israelites and we look and think that their grumbling started to take place when they were in the wilderness. But it didn't. It started long before that. 
we tend to think that our grumbling complaining is a result or because of something that happened in my life, but it's really not true. It happened way before that, just like the Israelites. It happened back in Egypt. Uh, when Moses went before Pharaoh to ask them to let the people go, they had to make more bricks. They grumbled about that. Then they had to find their own straw. They had to grumble about that as well. Uh, they said that the people, the people said that he made them a stench before Pharaoh. So the consequences of murmuring, what's the first consequent? consequence? What do you think it is? When you're around people that grumble and complain, or you're a grumbler and complainer, what would someone else say about you that probably would be true about you? What does that promote? What's a consequence of grumbling and complaining? If you're going to go climb a mountain, how many mountain climbers in here? None. So if you were to go complain, go to complain. If you were to go climb a mountain with several other mountain climbers, and you all got to the foot of the mountain, and the ones start, man, that thing is way too high. Do you know there's supposed to be bad weather coming in? And what else? They say that there's some animals up there, and we get halfway. We got to really watch out. What's going to happen to those other people? They're going to be discouraged, absolutely right. That's what grumbling and complaining does in yourself and others. It causes discouragement. It discourages others. How many of you, when you go home from work, go home and kick the dog, kick the wife, or just start grumbling about all the things that happen? Sometimes I think when I go home and talk about work, I'm just letting my wife know what happened, but really I'm grumbling, I'm complaining about the things that took place. Uh, and it isn't long before I do that that all of a sudden she's discouraged. Why? She doesn't want to hear those kind of things. She shouldn't have to hear those kind of things. Uh, what about when you're with somebody that's grumbling and complaining? Just everything's wrong. The boss stinks. The pay stinks. The job stinks. Everything's bad. How do you feel? Yeah, it does stink. You just agree with them. You become the same way. You become discouraged by what happens. So are we discouraging others by our murmuring and our complaining? That's the first consequence, discouragement. The second one is that it's contagious. It's contagious. What happened when the spies went in to search out the land? You would have thought that with what Caleb and Joshua said that it would have encouraged others, but no. There was 10 others, weren't there? Do you think maybe there was one or two said, these people are big, we're not, yeah, that's right, look how big they are. And they all come back with the same report, all come back with that. But it's, like, it's contagious, it always breeds more complaining. It's like an infectious disease. Once you get it, it just keeps spreading, keeps spreading. And do you know that murmurs usually operate in groups? Think about all the things that have come to take place in our country. It doesn't usually start with just one person. It's a group of grumblers. Someone's dissatisfied with what's going on, and a group gets together, so they all grumble and complain together so that somebody hears something. Who was like that in Scripture? The scribes and the Pharisees were, weren't they? They were a group of grumblers and complainers. Uh, they murmured against the disciples. The Pharisees and scribes murmured that this man received sinners. They grumbled about Jesus. Uh, when they saw it, they murmured. The Jews murmured uh, as well. When God delivered the Israelites from slavery, it didn't stop their murmuring. It continued. They just found something else to complain about. They complained about the bread from heaven. They complained about no water to drink. When you and I complain about the things that we don't have, the things that we think we got the short deal on, what kind of spirit do we generate then? Unthankful spirit, that's right, an ungrateful heart. And when you have an ungrateful heart, 
everything around you looks bleak, it looks bad. A lack of contentment. Uh, also, it's usually an evidence of a spirit of greed as well. Uh, Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 11 and 12 where how to be content. Paul, I don't know the verse, but he said he learned how to be a base and abound to be content in all things. He wants us to be that same way. And it's interesting that God always gives us examples in his word of people that go through stuff, not near the things that we go through. We have all those examples in the scripture. And here's Paul probably more than anybody else that was beaten, tortured, left for dead, thrown out the window, drugged through the city, shipwrecked, all those things. But yet here's a man telling us how to be content. So if someone like Paul could be content in all that stuff, shouldn't we be content in the things that are going on around us? So murmuring is the expression of an ungrateful, discontented heart. What's going to keep us from murmuring? We'll find that out in just a little bit. Uh, but we first, the next consequence, we have to find out what does God think about murmuring? What do you think? What does God think about murmuring? Is he okay with it? So-so <coughs> with it? He does not like it, and he judges it, doesn't he? Excuse me. All murmuring discourages others. But what's God's resp response to it? Let's look at Exodus 16, verse 8. Exodus 16, 8. What does it say? And Moses said, This shall be, when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to eat to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Here was the Israelites who had just been freed from slavery in Egypt. And they had to be told they're literally complaining against the one that delivered them from Egypt. How often do you complain about your boss? And yet, where do you get your paycheck? Where do you get the provision for your finances at home to pay the insurance, to pay the car bill, and all those things? It's from your employer. But we grumble about those things. That's why our grumbling is directly against God. How did God deal with the murmuring? Let's look at Numbers chapter 14 and see what he did. Numbers 14, verses 26 and 27. He says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Skip down to verse 29. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward which have murmured against me. Skip down to verse 35. I, the Lord, have said I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed, and there they shall die. That's pretty rough, isn't it? If God had stated in his word in the book of Romans somewhere, in the day that you complain, you shall surely die, there probably would be a lot of us that wouldn't be here tonight, wouldn't there? In fact, there probably wouldn't be any of us here tonight if that's the way it took place today. But... The comparison is against our light and our witness for him. When we murmur and complain, the light literally does go out, doesn't it? You and I can't complain about all that goes on in my life and then go be a great witness. It doesn't work too well. 
We can't complain at work about all that happens there and be a witness to the person that works beside us. It doesn't work too well, does it? So the murmuring led to their unbelief. Their unbelief led to their disobedience. Their disobedience led to rebellion. And their rebellion led to their death. And it all started with murmuring and complaining. And it kept them out of the promised land. So that's the first indication of turning away from God. It's that unthankful heart. What about you? What's your heart like right now? Is it a thankful heart? Is it a contented heart? Are you thankful and grateful for where you are, where you're at right now, what you're a part of? I'm asking myself the same question. If you're not, what do you think is going to happen in your life when that's part of your life? Nothing. When you and I grumble and complain about all things in our life, what is going to take place in our life? Nothing. How many of us are excited to just have nothing? Once in a while, I'd like to have nothing. You know, it'd be nice to have nothing sometimes. Oh, my goodness. I could tell you story after story. I grumble about my mother. I really do. I get so upset sometimes at the things that go on. And you'll find out why I do that in just a minute. I'll, I'll save that for later. So anyhow, the Israelites should have realized that God was not pleased with their murmuring. What happened to the Kor Korahites or whatever they are? Uh, what happened to them? They grumbled and complained, didn't they? They asked Moses, who put you in charge? Did you ever say that to anybody in your workplace? Who put you in charge? That happens. People that work together side by side, if one person gives someone else an idea or a suggestion, who put you in charge? That's what we're like. We shouldn't be like that. So what happened to them? Moses went to God to pray, and God responded by opening up the earth and swallowing them all up. And then later, 250 of the incense burners, they got consumed with fire. And the next day, when they should have been down on their hands and knees saying, Lord, please forgive us, what did they do? They grumbled some more. And 14,700 more were swallowed up. God judges murmuring pretty drastically, doesn't he? Could it be that he's doing that in your life? Things just aren't happening right. Nothing's going on right. Everything's wrong in your life. Could it be because you're complaining? and grumbling and murmuring about your situation, where you're at. Talking to myself again. I'm not saying it's you. I'm just as guilty. God doesn't tolerate murmuring. And it's something that you and I don't have to be trained to do, do we? We pick it up very well. It doesn't take but a young child to learn how to grumble and how to complain. So the three consequences, again, were one, murmuring discourages others. It's contagious and God judges murmuring. So we're going to look at the key how to find out to overcome, how to overcome murmuring and complaining. Uh, but first we have to look at what these people said in all these situations that we talked about when they complain. There's something that's uh, present in each one of these situations that we find in the Word of God. And it all, inclu all includes, and it includes the words, us, we, me. And that's usually where we have problems. When something affects us or me or we, we get upset, we murmur, and we complain. What is that for? Why is that? What's the root issue? When you and I complain about what's going on to me, what's it a demonstration of? What's the root problem that we're experiencing there? The pride of life. We're more concerned about 
what is affecting and how it's affecting me than what God is trying to do or what the situation's even for. We only view things so many times because how it affects me. We're not concerned about the big picture, it's just me. And that's what gets us into a grumbling and complaining mode. Self-centeredness. We murmur because we, not God, is the focal point. If God's the focal point in our lives, we're not going to be concerned about those things that happen to us. But when we are the focal point, we'll be definitely upset. Our life is not about self. It's about God. There's only two ways that you and I can go in life, aren't there? Only two ways. Everything that you and I do in life, we only have two decisions to make. No, we don't. We have one decision to make, but two ways to go. It's either God's way or my way. And every time you and I go my way, where does it get us? Nowhere. It's only when we choose to go God's way. And the, the problem with all of us, especially me, we usually always know what God's way is. But we still choose to go my way, don't we? We know what he wants us to do, what he wants us to say, where he wants us to go, and how to do it, or what we should be doing because we know what the Word of God says, but we still choose to go directly opposite and do it my, my way because we think that's just a better way to do things. And it never works out, and then we're upset, and we grumble and complain some more. Why? Because we don't follow what God's Word says. And we get mad at God when it's not His fault. God makes no mistakes, does He? How can we, how can we blame or, or condemn the person that makes no mistakes? Murmuring is caused by self-centeredness. Think about the last time you complained. Where was your focus? I'll give you a demonstration. I just did it Sunday. Uh, each Sunday when we leave church or Sunday school, we go over to the Dunkin' Donuts over there by Walmart, and we get a coffee because my wife likes coffee. And that's good. I like doing that. That's all right. And we went home, and we were getting out of the car, and Tammy had put her bags on, a, on the sidewalk, and she went to get Mum out to help Mum out. I didn't notice that she put the coffee in the one bag I was carrying, and there was three bags, and they all have those big loops on it, and I thought I had all the loops, and I had the last one was her pocketbook. I picked them up, and I'm walking in the house, and one of the loops are hanging down, I didn't notice, and I'm walking in, and I'm going through the kitchen, and I'm going in the living room, and I, oh, oh, goodness, what's, and I start getting mad. I get upset. And after that was all over, my wife said, what is wrong with you? <laughs> she was absolutely right. And I thought in my head, what is wrong with me? And here's what was going through my brain. This is exactly what was going on. Okay, number one, I took 10 minutes to go get the coffee. It's going to take me 10 minutes to clean up this coffee. And that coffee cost me $2. That's really what I was thinking. That's why I was upset. And what is the root of each one of those? All three of those things, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. Every one of them were there. Excuse me for spitting. But that's, that's what happened. And that's what I did. And it took me a full day to repent and ask forgiveness and say I was sorry for that. Because I was trying to reason in my heart, now what can I say to her that's going to let her know what I really was feeling there? And I couldn't really do that. Because I knew I was wrong. Anyhow, that's what happened. That was a coffee incident. And if you would come to our house and spend one week right now, you would not believe what takes place. It is the most amazing thing. I don't know why in the world that God allowed my mother 
to not know a clue about what's going on. It just literally drives me crazy. Every day, there is something different. And do you know what it is? Every day, it affects me. Every day, it affects me. And I get upset because me doesn't get to do what me wants to do. Me has to do something for someone else every day of the week. And I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong in that. Um, that's what's happening. So where's my focus? Where's our focus? It definitely can't be on God. But if it was, I'd be saying, okay, God, what are you wanting me to learn through this? What are you training me for now that I'm going to use later in my life? I hope not. But anyhow, what are you training me for now? I realize what my, yes, I'm building this thing for Natalie for her wedding, one of those archways, and I got it done yesterday. I have to still stain it and stuff. And God spoke to me in the garage. This, I believe, he told me what he wants me to do when I retire. I know what I want to do. I've been trying to think, what am I going to do when I retire? I know what I'd like to do and all this stuff. No. What I want to do when I retire, I said, I went in and told her. I said, wife, I got an idea. I think God wants us to do this. She said, what's that? I said, when we retire, what we're going to do is we're going to advertise wherever we're at in church, whoever needs something done in their house, primarily widows and the fatherless, because that's what it says in the Bible, we're going to go fix it up in their house. They need their sink replaced, their plumbing fixed. We'll just go do that. No charge other than paying for the parts. That'd be it. We'll just go do it for them. You think that'd be good? She said, yeah, that'd be fun. That really is what I thought. God revealed that to me in a garage. I don't know why. I mean, I was building this thing. Hey, I can do this stuff. I can do plumbing. I can do all those things. What better way to do the things that I've learned than to do it for someone that really needs it? So anyhow, you hold me to that, okay? So whether I'm here in this church or somewhere else, Timbuktu, that's what God revealed to me. So I think I need to do that. Murmuring is focusing on what we think God has not done or should be doing in our lives rather than focusing on what God is doing presently in our lives. Every time we grumble and complain, it, re it reveals a proud heart that we have. And what does James 4, 6 say? God resists the proud. What's that mean? He pushes them away. He wants nothing to do with them. But he gives grace to the humble. And what's that mean to be humble? It means knowing where my place is in life, who I'm in submission to, whether it's the authority at work or, or God or my pastor or wherever, when I submit to those that are in authority over me the way I should, God gives me grace. That means he's giving me the ability to do what he wants me to do. Because apart from that, I want to do what I want to do. Don't you? Whose will do you want to do all day? Whose will do I want to do all day? I want to do my own thing because I'm selfish. But that's not what God wants. Okay, the second cause for murmuring. Uh, many times we think it's a new job. That's why so many people split up. Maybe a new wife or a new husband will make me feel better, but that doesn't work either, does it? None of those things work. How about new circumstances? A new town to live in, a new house, or a new car. I just get something like that, then it'll change. But it won't change, will it? It doesn't change. The murmuring will still be there. That's what it was for the Israelites as well. They had slavery, and then they had freedom. Did anything change? No, they were worse off with the freedom. They wanted to be slaves again. That's really what they were saying when they said, look at what we had back in Egypt. Murmuring is not caused by circumstances, but by a lack of faith and trust in God. 
if we get mad at what takes place in our life, what are we saying? We really don't trust God with what's going on. What's Proverbs say? Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. We know those verses, but we don't live them, do we? Trust the Lord with all your heart. What does that mean? It means I'm going to go through the day, and whatever takes place, I'm not going to grumble or complain about it because God has allowed it to happen, or he's orchestrated it in some way, and I'm to go through this for some reason or another. And if I'm going to get mad and bent out of shape when it happens, I've failed. Just like I failed on Sunday. Simple little thing like coffee and spilling on the floor. And I failed with coffee. You know, it could be better if it was like a car wreck or a death and I failed. But I failed with a cup of spilled coffee. How bad can you really be? Goodness. When we think our circumstances should be better, we don't stop to think that God has planned it all and knows better than we do exactly what we need or what we don't need. So rather than seeing God's provision in His way, we think we're getting a raw deal and we complain and we murmur. And since it's contagious and it discourages others, it also undermines their faith and trust in God as well. So those that are privy to hearing our complaints, it hurts their faith as well. The cure for murmuring. Number one, it's not changing your circumstances. That will not cure murmuring. But it's learning who God is and how he relates to our circumstances. The cure is found in our view of God. How many of us have a proper view of God? If we really had a proper view of God, we wouldn't grumble and complain. Having that sort of heart and attitude shows us that we don't have a proper view of God, that I don't have a proper view of God. We plan something to want to do something, and we ask God to bless and do those things, and what we plan to do all of a sudden goes to pot, and we're upset, and we think, why is this happening? God, I, I, I talked to you about it, but that's not the way God works. God wants us to be where He's working. We want God to come where we are, but God wants us to go where He's working. Because if we go to where He is working, what's going to happen? We're going to be involved in His work. What does that mean? There's all kinds of ministries that this church has. If God's not working in your life, go get involved in one of those ministries. It's where God is working. He works in the nursing home. He works in the detention centers. He works over in Iwana. He works in the midst of those things. We need to be where God is working. Because if we get to where God is working, then we'll be able to get involved in the work. But that takes changing our plans, doesn't it? We don't want to get involved in those things because that's different than what I want to do. That's not what I wanted to do. God is always working. How did he work it with Moses? Moses didn't say, well, Lord, I need you to help me and come here. I need something to do. No. Moses went to where God was working. He sent him to Egypt. That's where God was working. And God worked to work, didn't he? They were freed. Look at all the other people in Scripture. God used people, and they went to where he was already working. And things took place. So if nothing's taking place in your life, go to where he's working and watch things take place in your life. So do we believe these things about God? Number one, that he makes no mistakes. How many believe that tonight? Okay, he doesn't. 
How many of us believe that he has our best interest at heart? He does that as well. How many of us believe that God can do no wrong? We believe that. How many of us believe that God knows what he is doing? We believe that. How many of us believe that God is good? He is. And murmuring is the flip side of every one of those things. See, we already believe those things about God that are true, but we don't live like we believe those things. In other words, we don't have the faith that God desires that we have, myself included. The rich young ruler, when he was before God, what did he say to Jesus? He said, good master, what must I do? And what did Jesus ask him? Why do you call me good? He knew what God was like. He knew that God was good. The goodness of God is a primary characteristic of an attribute of God. He is good. Not sometimes, not part of the time, but all the time. So why do I get discouraged and why do I murmur and complain when things just don't go my way? That's my problem. They didn't go my way. God takes delight in making himself known to us, doesn't he? But you and I have to do our part. He wants to make himself known to you, to me, in every situation that we're in. Job questioned God's goodness and criticized him and accused him and blamed him. But what happened? He was overwhelmed and he realized that all things from God are good, didn't he? It's what happened in the Garden of Eden as well. Here God created all these things, all these good things, but yet they weren't good enough. They still needed something more. And we have to realize that about our own human hearts. We may receive something, we may get something, and it's good, but then we need more, and we desire more. Eve thought that God was keeping something good from them. So if you and I forget that God is good, all we have to do is read through the book of Psalms and find all the situations that talk about His goodness, and there's many of them. Then God will manifest himself and his goodness in things like things that we take for granted and we don't really think about at a time. When was the last time you thought about his creation? And not in a new green deal way, although it's good to conserve and do those things. But God wants us to be mindful of his creation. Do you stare out your window at home and just look at the trees, look at the sky, look at the sunshine? Those things that just we bypass. Uh, Every time we look outside the window, it's cloudy and gloomy. Even when the sun's shining, we see nothing but clouds and gloom. Again, I'm talking about myself again. Uh, what about his goodness and his compassion, his mercy, his long-suffering, that we're not all dead? Every one of us should be dead right now, shouldn't we? How many times has God spared your life in many situations? Lenny was over last night, something with her car, and I was looking at her car. And she left about 9.30, and it was 15 minutes later, and the phone rang. And, and I'm in the kitchen, and Tammy answers it, and, she's and I hear this wailing and crying. I thought, oh, no, she wrecked her car on the way home. What's going on? But somebody in front of her hit a deer, and she was crying about the deer that was thriving all over the road, trying to get off the road. She didn't know what to do. It, just, it destroyed her. God's creation is really something else. You know, the last, Sunday when I was going on Mule Road, one of those traffic lights, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes a deer out of the woods, and then two, four, all of a sudden, there was between, this is 
True story. Between 40 and 50 deer that crossed the road in a single file. They were all just trotting like this right across the road. Traffic was stopped in both directions. I had no idea where they were coming from or where they were going. There was all houses there. They had to have been lost. But they're part of God's creation. I don't know why I said that. It was funny. James 1.17 tells us what? Every good gift and every perk, perk, perfect gift cometh where? From above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything that takes place in our life comes from God. Everything. Everything that takes place comes from Him. Do I really believe that? Do I live like I believe that? He gives good gifts. The way He gives is good, and His goodness is constant. Our salvation parents, our spouse, our children, our home, our job, our church, even our trials, even our trials are good gifts from God. Well, I might be able to go with the spouse and the children bit part, but with those trials, I can't do that. I can't be, I, I can't do that. That's not of God. That can't be right. I'm going to be upset with that. No, even those trials, even those trials. When you and I murmur, we've lost sight of God's goodness and His hand in our circumstances. God wants to carry us through every one of those difficulties. He wants us to learn to grow through everything He gives to us in life. A convicting question when I even think of asking this in my own life. If you were to look back in your life 10 years ago or 20 years ago, how much different are you now than you were then? Have you really grown in God's goodness? Over the, have I done that over these years, or am I the same person? Sometimes I look at myself, and I'm the same person. I say, how did that happen? And we've all probably been there. I remember, say, I remember saying it, reading things when I was in my 30s and 40s. I don't want to get to 60 and look back when I was 40 and realize I didn't get anywhere. Now I'm looking back and saying, I didn't get anywhere. I'm saying exactly what I said I didn't want to say. Why? Because I didn't grow through the things that I should have grown through. I just went through them, was upset about them, and then went to something else. And God wanted to teach me and grow me through those things. He did them to make me more like Him. When you and I can't see the goodness in the circumstances of life, the little irritation, the things that we think are not fair, we experience His goodness in difficult situations of life, and it changes us. I wrote down here in a margin, I wrote, Mom, uh, do we see these things coming from the hand of God? Do I view my life right now at this time? There are so many more things I'd like to be doing. I, I see my grandchildren growing up, and I want to go and visit, and I can't because i got to stay home with Mom because we can't leave her alone. Do I see those things coming from the hand of God that He's allowed those? Do I trust Him and thank Him for those things? Sometimes. Sometimes I do. When I don't, I might as well yell out loud and say, God, you are not good. I can't say that, though, but that's how I'm living. When I feel like that and grumble like that, I am saying, God, you're not good. 
Yet I know that he is good. He knows what's best. He knows all things. He can do all things. But yet I'm saying by what I say and how I live that he's not good. So, when you and I murmur, it's usually because we're focused on temporal things. My mother's not going to be here forever. Sooner or later, she's going to pass on. Then what am I going to say the day or the week after she passes about what I said or what I did during the time that I've had to take care of her? What am I going to say? I have nothing to say because of the things that I've done wrong or said wrong. I'm not saying I beat her up. Don't get me wrong. I'm not that bad. <laughs> Sometimes I am. Uh, but anyhow, it, it definitely is a different experience in my life. I thought that apartment building was bad. Those of you that know me that know about that apartment, I thought that was bad. This is totally different. Totally different. God says in Colossians 3 that we're to set our affections at a certain place. Where is it? On things above, not on things on this earth. We need to focus on the names of God. That will help us. Jehovah Jireh, He provides. Jehovah Rapha is the God who heals. Shalom, the God who sends peace. Shama, the God who's always present with me. Roy, the God who sees me. Shaddai, the God who is all-sufficient. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What do you and I have to do if we're to taste something? How do you, how do you taste something to see if it's good? You have to put it in your mouth, don't you? That's the same thing that he's saying. We have to experience those things. We have to experience it. We murmur because we do not know God. If you and I really knew God the way we should know God, you and I would not complain about anything. We need to experience more of Him. If you and I place God's word in our heart, that will enable us to keep us from murmuring. Ephesians 6.19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and singing and make melody in your heart unto the Lord. That sounds easy, doesn't it? It sounds like, oh, perfect example, I can do that. And then I get home and something else is wrong, or something else has happened. Do we really desire to know Christ the way Paul did? Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I should attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Is that our prayer? Can I really say that? Enter into the fellowship of his suffering? That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what Paul said. That was his desire. So I have these opportunities to enter into that suffering but I grumble all the way. So am I going to really get out of the suffering what God intends for me to get out of suffering? Not if I go through it that way, I won't. When the word of Christ is dwelling in our hearts, there is no murmuring. How do we respond to life's circumstances? If we murmur, we defame, we malign the very name of God and His character. So you and I have to reflect on the goodness of God and say with David, I have tasted and I've experienced the Lord, and He is what? He is good. He is good. There's a little song that, uh, I don't know if it's in the hymnal or 
whatever it is. God is good. Do you know that song? I don't think I have it on here. No. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. That was the name of it. How many of you know that song? We used to sing that with our kids when they were little. And as I stand here now thinking about that, here I am singing a song, teaching my kids about the goodness of God when I should have been singing it to myself, teaching me about the goodness of God. I don't know if I remember that. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. Do you believe that tonight? If you and I change our beliefs about God and realize and know in our hearts that He is good, it will be our first step to stopping grumbling and complaining and being bent out of shape by the circumstances of our life that we're going to have until the day we die. You and I are going to experience difficulties every day of our life until we die. God doesn't promise us easy sailing, does he? There's no promise in his word anywhere that life is going to be a bed of roses, does he? Because it's not. But he doesn't want us to go through it and gain nothing about him from it. He wants us to learn of him. That's his desire for each one of us, that we may learn of him, that we may become like him, that we can what? Help someone else to do the very same thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for uh, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. May we do something with it, uh, not just be convicted about it, Lord, but make a change and do something about it, that we might be the one that you want us to be. We all realize and know that you are good. Give us a desire of heart, Lord, to live it and to believe it and to demonstrate it to all those around us because you are good. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.